0: Well, we have a few moments, and in those few moments, we'll turn our attention to our passage of Scripture, a couple of verses, and staying out of trouble. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we'll take verses 9 through 12. Now, the natural consequence of hearing the bad news for the believer, in other words, that we have some issues, ought to be the promise of the good news. Amen? And so Paul now gives us a little bit of a how-to in staying out of trouble, keeping our minds focused on things that matter. And so as we turn our attention here to verse 9, which we looked at last time, I will really focus in on verses 11 and 12 here in a remaining few minutes. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray now that in power... You would speak to us through it. Lord, we realize that it is able to take and and do in our lives what the words of man cannot do because these are the words of God. And so bless us as we study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 9, and this is looking back to last week as we ended there. uh, But concerning brotherly love, I have no need that I should write to you for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. The fruit of the Spirit, Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, is love. The evidence of that love, he goes on to say, is joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, self-control. And he would go on to say that against such things as those, there is no law. In other words, the law is fulfilled in that greatest command, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then the result of that would be to love your neighbor as yourself. And so he focuses in here first on us being loving and then increasing in it, and he says, And indeed, you do so so towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. So grow in love is the first admonition. It is interesting to me what we occupy our time with. It, it's almost staggering the variety of things with which we in our western culture occupy our time our talent treasure and keep ourselves engaged in doing and so he gives us a little bit of a how-to here beginning in verse 11 three steps a threefold prescription if you will on how to stay out of trouble And that really is the problem that we have when we look at living a sanctified life. There's plenty of trouble out there. We want to stay out of it. So here's a prescription on how to do that. That you also aspire to lead a quiet life. So the focus is love. We're to be loving to God vertically and to mankind horizontally. But that we would lead a quiet life. Not easy to lead a quiet life in Los Angeles. Amen? Amen. It's a little difficult at times to find that quiet space, that that place that we can say that we can meet with the Lord. And the next one, to mind your own business. Oh my goodness, thank you Jesus if we could live that one out. (laughs) We ought to put that on the halls of Congress. Mind your own business and by the way, spend your own money. And how to work with your own hands, to be industrious, prosperous, to take the advantage of the things that we've been given and to use them correctly for the Lord's glory as we commanded you. That you may walk properly towards those who are on the outside, that you might lack nothing. And so, a very short ten minutes we have remaining. And and here's the three key points. It's a prescription. The first is to live a quiet life. You know, so very often in our attempt to live the busy life that we see people living around us, we get caught up in the very things that God says we probably shouldn't get caught up in. So the first step here is to live a quiet life. The second step is to mind your own business, to stay out of everyone else's business. Amen? Anybody ever been affected by somebody getting in your business? Oh my. Matter of fact, I think some of the deepest problems I've ever had is people trying to somehow run my life when they can't run theirs. They're not very effective at doing that, but they sure want to tell you how to run yours. To mind your own business and then to engage in those things which are productive. You see, the application of love actually accomplishes something. Again, we draw our attention to the doctrine that we believe, the life that we live, the scriptures that we know, should produce something in us that actually causes people to believe that what we think and what we know we actually believe to be true because we do it. And so our doctrine becomes the things that we dutifully engage in. And so Paul says first here, lead a quiet life. God wants us to live that way. A quiet life is, is not just a life that's boring. It, it's a life that's free from worry. It, it's a life that's free from extremes. You, you see, very often we get caught up in the, the tremendous highs, which are followed also by the tremendous lows. Amen? We, we don't always stay up here. We end up down here. The quiet life is the more stable life. It's the midline. It's not way up here and way down here. It's the middle road. It's that place that we can honestly say we're moderate in all things. Temperate is the word that Paul would use as he writes to, to the young pastor Timothy. You, you see, we're easily bogged down. We're easily beat up. We, we sometimes get overwhelmed because we try and live like the rest of the world lives. And as believers, we're supposed to have a more stable existence while we're here. Sometimes we're too busy. Anybody get too busy at times? Oh, I do. There there are times when it's like, yeah, I can do that, and I'll do that, and I'll do this, and I'll do that. And before I know it, all, all my doing ends up being mediocre because I've taken too much on myself. And so one of the things, tone it down. Turn down the volume in your life a little bit. Turn off the TV. Maybe talk to your spouse uh, as, as opposed to, to talking at the television set. You know, there, there are some things that we can glean from this passage. A quiet life is a life that's free from controversy. And very often having too much time on our hands plays into this because then we get busy doing the wrong things instead of the right things the second step in this is that we should mind our own business. Man, as I as I think on the things that I generally end up dealing with as a pastor, uh, almost without exception, somewhere in the mix is a busybody. Someone who has looked at a situation, given likely some bad counsel to someone, they, they've spoken to somebody about something that they do not have the full story on. Uh, They're so busy telling other people how to run their life that they haven't been able to run their own, but somehow they're an expert in everyone else's life. And and all of a sudden, the things that they say weigh us down. Look, here's the secret. We all have enough of our own stuff. Amen? Amen? If we focus in on our own stuff, we got plenty to do. And I think if we would just do that, instead of trying to get engaged in everyone else's stuff, as Scripture says, we'd have a whole lot less problem. And we wouldn't be the source of the problem. Proverbs 26 reminds us where there's no wood, the fire goes out. You know, when you stop feeding gossip, you know what happens? It dies. Where there is no tail-bearer, Scripture says, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals, as wood is to fire, so a contentious man is to strife that is kindled. You see, the words of a tail-bearer are kind of like those tasty morsels. They go down inside, and oh, by the way, they rot there. Stay out of other people's stuff. Pray for them. Pray more, talk less. That's my counsel to you. Amen? Pray for them. When you see that brother or that sister doing the wrong thing, going the wrong way, if you have not heard from the Lord, you need to speak into that person's life, then you take them to the throne of grace, because therein you and they shall receive mercy. Amen? Don't be a talebearer to step. Mind your own business. And here's why. Notice verse 12. That you might walk properly towards those on the outside. The world's watching us. When the church is guilty of bagging on everyone, when we get involved in everybody's stuff, and we're wandering around, it's like, nyah, 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 nyah. I mean, I have these foam things. I throw stuff at the TV. I'm like, It's like, don't say that. All that's going to do is stir stuff up. Maybe one of the biggest things that we face in our country right now, as a whole, is you got lots of this and none of this. You know, you might, yeah, amen. You might want to, you might want to engage your brain before you open your mouth, kind of thing. The world's watching. So when you name the name of Christ and you're busy doing things the world's way, then the Lord, in essence, is getting the blame for us not acting according to what his word says. So he says walk properly towards people who are on the outside. And then thirdly, uh, a, a final thing when you, when you think on this, you know, as the world is watching us, we should be the very best. We should be the best employees. We should be faithful. We should be on time. We should be respectful. We, we should do our jobs better than anybody else does them. Because people are watching to see what a Christian actually does. You see, before they will believe in the Jesus that we love, they need to see that what the Jesus does in us is real. Uh, Amen? They they need to see it work. So when you tell somebody that you're a Christian, and then you don't show up for work on time, or the work that you do is poor, you're constantly grumbling and groaning and complaining... When you do that, then people look at it, well, if that's what your Jesus does, I'm not sure I want any of that. They're watching. And so being a Christian is not a license to relieve us from hard work. And so he says, work hard with your hands. And if you do that, and and we take these three things and just simply enact them in, in our world, we live a quiet life, we stay out of other people's business, and we work hard, the world's going to take note of that. That actually will cause people to believe that there's, there's a benefit to being Christian. You see, but when Christians spend all their time prognosticating about when the return of the Lord's going to be, for instance... You know, it it drives me nuts. I mean, all this blood moons and the Shemitah, the numerology and the feast days, and, you know, you'll sell a lot of books doing that. Why don't you try working hard and staying out of other people's business? Living a quiet life. You know, you're not going to sell many, many books by just living a quiet life, unless you're a poet, then maybe that will work. But the bottom line is we want the Lord to know that that he can count on us. And look, nobody cares whether we come up with another date for the return of the Lord. People have been doing that for 2,000 years. We're going to get to the rapture of the church here really shortly. And, And so the people in Thessalonica were all worried about when the Lord's going to return. Look, Jesus is coming, amen? And he's coming soon, amen? But soon is relative to his time, not mine. So, he may be back today, that's my hope, the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of my great God and King. So on one hand, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Today would be great. But the problem is, if I sell all of my stuff, move to Montana, build a bunker, buy a bunch of guns and bombs and ammunition, and I dig a hole and I live in it, I ain't telling nobody about Jesus. Okay? Because that means my Jesus needs to move to Montana and get in a little compound somewhere. My, my Jesus lives in Lomita. And my Jesus is in Gardena. And he's across the street in Carson. And he's in Compton. And he's over in Watts. And he's, he's here with us. So let's stay here. Live quiet lives. Stand other people's stuff. And work hard. And tell people about Jesus. Amen. We made it. We're two minutes over. We do that. Don't freak out. We need to get ready for the rapture for sure. But the bottom line is, no one knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man comes. Only the Father in Heaven knows that. He's foreordained the day and the time. He knows when that is. We can trust Him with it. But the one thing that we can do to make sure that we have done all that we can do is to share the gospel. Amen? The Great Commission is to not go share the date or the time that the Lord's going to return. The gospel is to go make disciples of all nations. That's the Great Commission. And so that's enough for us to do. Amen? Would you stand with me and we'll pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your goodness and your love to us. And we pray, God, that as we live our lives, would they be peaceful and quiet? Would they reflect your character and nature? God, would we stay out of other people's business and focus on our own things? There's surely enough if we do that. And God, would we work hard? Would our lives be an example of industriousness that's used for your glory and for your kingdom? And Lord, while we wait, we do pray, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Lord, if it could be today, that would be super for us. But Lord, there are people that need the gospel. And so we pray, if you choose to tarry, that we would be busy to that end, sharing your love with a lost world. We bless your name. We thank you for all that's happening all over the world through this church. We pray that you'd cause that sphere of influence to increase and for multitudes to be saved. We ask all this in the wonderful name of Jesus and God's people all said, Amen. Amen.